Welcome to The Big Score, a Hollywood Records original series where you're invited on an exclusive behind-the-scenes journey inside the minds of some of culture's most innovative composers in show business. In this episode, we visit Siddhartha Kosla, mastermind behind the score of Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. Sit back, relax, and let the music transport you to his charming studio in Los Angeles. My name is Siddhartha Kosla, and I am the composer for Only Murders in the Building. I put police sirens in. Um, oh, I, I feel like I still hear them. You know, I use so much of the police siren that I feel like I still hear them. Just amazing. I was born in the U.S., but then was shipped off to India when I was six months old and lived there with my grandparents before I came back three years later. So a lot of the music that I was first introduced to was this old Hindi music that like my grandparents and parents listened to in the 60s and 70s. I spent a lot of years just trying to figure out what my sound was. And it, so much of it was just like, you know, trying to find who you are as an artist. My career began with me as a singer-songwriter in a rock band called Goldspot. So my first introduction to music on like a professional level was singing in a rock band and touring and making records. It wasn't until I'd say six years ago, seven years ago, that I started composing for TV and film. studio at home. Um, it's just my garage that I've converted into a little studio. It's tiny. It's like 280 square feet. Um, very, very small. It's like my little cave I have there. Um, I'm trying to think if I ever write music outside of that room. It's hard to because it's like our house is chaotic. I got three kids running around and so it's very hard to focus outside of those doors. So everything really does happen inside of those walls and I sit there for 15 hours and get up occasionally and go for a walk in the neighborhood and come back and work and then put the kids to bed and you know do the same thing the next day. My first main producer I worked with was Dan Fogelman. We'd known each other for a very long time at that point. Dan and I met in college at the University of Pennsylvania. There's no way I would get in today. No way. Back then, you could be a little dumber. Today, you have to be super smart to get in there. Uh, we were roommates sophomore year. Um, so at this point, I've known him longer than I haven't, which is a very special relationship to have with anybody. So he's seen me do a lot of stupid things, you know. He's seen me get drunk and uh, steal Doritos from Wawa. And I've seen him do the same, so he can't use that against me. I've also seen him go through life's ups and downs, and I also I worked with him on This Is Us as well. And so when you're working with someone like that who wears their heart on their sleeve and it's on the page and it's in the script and it's on the screen, you're writing music. I am at least writing music for him sometimes as much as I am the actors and the characters on the screen. It's a very meta relationship that we have. It's very, very cool. 
so Dan introduced me to John Hoffman, co-creator of Only, Only Murders in the Building. But, you know, I didn't have the job on the show uh, when I met John. So at that time, productions had stopped while people were trying to navigate the early days of the pandemic. I said to myself, like, I should make my own little instrumental record and explore a side of my musical self that I've never explored before. And it made me write this instrumental classical record. I'm not a classically trained composer. As you know, I sang in a rock band. I grew up singing Hindi music. My exposure to music was all through sort of like rock and roll, basically. And so I started writing my own instrumental record. I was influenced by people like Philip Glass and Eric Satie. Those composers to this day are two of my favorite. And so I just started writing this music and it happened to be around the time that Dan had sent me the script for Only Murders. I read that pilot script and I wrote him a single line back and I said, Only Murders is magic. That's all I wrote to him in the email. He forwarded that to John Hoffman who created that show um, with Steve Martin. And John's like, I wanna meet Sid. And so we got on a Zoom call together and I started playing for John and the gang some of the music that I had been writing in the pandemic. And in that conversation, John's like, you basically have this job. So the mandate for me was like, kind of like, do the thing that you did in your band, but do it here, you know, just like, and not saying that the music needs to sound half Indian, but it's just find your voice here and find something original and be yourself. I was in the world of like this modern classical world and in that process and after I'd read that script I also had heard this melody and I just brought the phone up to my uh, piano and I just started playing um, and I sang that That was like the opening melodic hook from Only Murders. There's a clear sort of like melody. It's a, it's a, it's a fairly long phrase. That could, I guess, could be like an old Hindi melody from an old Hindi movie if I really thought about it. Like if I sang it in that way, it would be like, it could be that, which is super Indian classical. So there's something in me that's like, when I sing melody, I sing with that sort of vent to it. So I guess it's, again, this sort of uh, meeting of those worlds that I come from. And I do this trick where I change from major to minor in the chords while the melody continues. And I think there's something almost like unsettling about it. Um, that moves it left of center a little bit and 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 causes you to like question like things around you or something and I think that's where the mystery of the show is represented and John heard that and John's like that's my theme The best sort of advice I got from the producers was the producers wanted me to make that piece of music feel very New York and, and then the challenge was like, what does that mean? I grew up in Jersey, 
after India. And I'm like, I didn't really grow up in New York. And my wife was in New York when I met her. So I'm just thinking of like all of like my experiences in New York. And it was actually my assistant, Alan, that said to me, like, what about like buckets, like Home Depot type of buckets? And I was like, that is so interesting. Because in my conversations with John Hoffman early on, John always talked about how New York is filled with these dichotomies. Dichotomy of rich and poor. Um, there's all these socioeconomically different people. So this idea of exploring even like the poverty of New York City, the struggles that some people have, and evoking that in the score came via those buckets, as if it were a street musician in the subway playing along with my theme. But the drums, they open up the piece. So they pre-lap the actual main title piece. So you'll hear And that's what always opens up the theme. It's like just like a couple bars of it. And then it comes in and it just, I mean, just slaps. The difference between scoring comedy and drama, it really depends on whose comedy you're scoring. So on this show, and it's, it's my general sort of like approach to comedy, is I never like scoring the comedy, ever. Like I have like a golden rule that if you are writing music under a funny scene and you oftentimes, and, and your goal is to help make the scene funnier, then I think there's either something sort of like not well written about that scene or the performance from the actor isn't there. And so the more we can avoid scoring comedy, the better. So I'm on this show, I'm, I'm actually scoring this and we had this conversation early on um, when we were trying to conceptualize the sound of the show and, and figure out the tone. I remember asking basically like, can I score this show like it's a prestige drama? Like that's, to me, more interesting. And then you're scoring to the mystery of it. You're scoring to their loneliness. Um, you're scoring to the, the horror at times. And you don't need to score Martin Short and Steve Martin. Like, to, you don't need to score their comedy. Like, you know, they are two of the funniest people in the history of everything. And so staying out of their comedy as much as possible is great. So anytime I am scoring while they're having a moment together, I'm scoring the dramatic beats of it. So in that Son of Sam scene with Marty, I'm scoring to what it sounds like in his brain, you know, like really deep inside the character. So I guess my approach to scoring comedy and drama is the same. With John Hoffman, it feels like you're in a band with like your high school friends and you trust each other and you can just do what you want. I mean, eventually those bands end up breaking up because they hate each other. Um, but hopefully that doesn't happen here. You know, there's some projects where, you know, you feel like you are 
it's more of a job. You're sort of serving the needs of a director or producer, and that's fine in its own way. And there's other moments where like, you have that sort of magical connection, like you feel like you're in a band. And there's no sort of expectation either. It's a weird thing. Like, I could literally turn in a piece of music on the show, and it could be me just like playing like my little SK1 Casio keyboard from the 80s, a couple quirky notes back and forth. It's not big, there's nothing sort of like produced about it. And I can hum over it and send it to John, and John will be like, I love that. Let's like leave that. I think the other way I do feel like I'm in a band on this project and some others is there's a great relationship I have with the editors. The editors are the first people that see picture and they oftentimes will share things with me. I mean, we get to collaborate early on in the process and that friendship that I develop with editors is like my favorite part of the process, frankly. In season one, in that pilot episode, Julie Monroe, our editor, who's just like an incredible editor, as she was cutting that first episode of series, I had given them variations on the theme. I started, I gave them a bassoon version, I gave them a cello version, and any time the characters fell upon something, like a clue, she would take my stems and use them in a way, like I gave them, I broke it down into stems. So there was like cello stem, bassoon stem, piano stem. When a realization happened, like they discovered something, you'd hear, Dun, da, dun, da, da, dun, dun, da, dun. Like she would save that. And that's how I learned to score the show, is because of her. I saw, she, and, and when her cuts would come back to me, she was like, Sid, do whatever you want, but make sure that melody lands when Selena hears something coming out of the vent. Or when they discover something and they're like, holy, holy shit. Like that's, that's your holy shit moment when that music comes in. And so that, that was a very important part of it. So when I can, I almost now have to go back to that theme because it is our light bulb sound, sound of light bulb going off. In season two, I think like the, the show becomes a bigger version of itself. We start sort of exploring backstories of characters and we go deeper into like the history of the Arconia. Like there's stuff in that building that you're gonna be like, oh, wow, you know? And um, I, I think because of that, the world expanded. And so I was sort of inspired by just like the expansiveness of, the, of that world. There's definitely a lot more solo instruments this season, taking lead lines. One of my favorite episodes of season two is the standalone episode that is about Bunny. At the end of season one, you know, we see that Bunny has been stabbed. And this is sort of like Bunny's backstory a little bit. And Bunny was this very lonely character. And so I got to score Bunny's loneliness throughout that entire episode. I had like a single like clarinet, a bass clarinet line that was Bunny's theme. And you heard it, like it was a very lonely performance by our clarinet player. So the Bunny theme is the harmony to the melody. So it's da 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 
that's Bunny's theme in that episode. And that's a bass clarinet just playing by itself. And so that was a nice sound. And it got to, I got to feature some of these great players that play on our scores. Um, and flute, there's a great flute player that plays on our score and she crushed it as well. And one of my favorite things is that Bunny had this pet parrot that lived in her apartment with her and that was her friend. And like the beauty of the show is that even the parrot has a soul and even the parrot is a character and you can almost see the parrot like, like mourn the loss of its friend. Like the, the parrot is wailing and I think in that moment it, there was a bunch of like high strings that are coming in and playing this sort of soaring melody as the parrot is just like, you know, being crushed by what the parrot is seeing. And so it feels like very operatic almost. It's like, it's so deeply cinematic. Like the picture was so cinematic and it's, uh, it, it, an operatic is the only way I can describe it. Some of the weirder stuff I did was in that episode where Mabel is trying to solve the mystery of what happened that night when Bunny was killed. And if you remember at the end of season one, we see Mabel next to Bunny's body with blood all over her. And there's a very cool thing that we're doing season two where Mabel can't quite remember what happened that night. You know, like when something so traumatic happens in your life that you just have trouble remembering exactly what happens, the details feel blurry. So she has this moment, multiple moments in the episode where these puzzle pieces are on the ground and all of a sudden you see these puzzle pieces just sort of floating in front of her. They're, they're, they're meeting each other, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And it's this magical realism of John Hoffman and the way he thinks. And I'm scoring these puzzle pieces meeting each other and it's all scored to like Mabel's trauma and that music is providing the sort of the tone. It's flutes, it's woodwinds, just playing sort of variations of the main theme again. Um, and then I also went into this very sort of psychedelic space with the scores. It's very textural. It's very sort of like, I'm using effects, like long reverbs and long delays. And it almost feels like end of the world-ish sort of score. So we recorded the flutes and then I would run the flutes through like a wall of reverb. So the flutes would play their And when that note stops, you would hear like a 30 second decay on that note continuing. And it became this wall of sound. It almost became this like, um, it, it, it added all this tension in a very interesting way, and it was a very stylized score. And that was really cool, to just be a part of something like that. And, and again, it was like playing to the magical realism of the show, which is my favorite stuff to work on. And another interesting sound that we used a lot this season were using vocals in interesting ways. So there was an opera singer, this wonderful soprano, who came in and crushed the end of episode nine. Crushed it, it's one of my favorite pieces of score of the season two, which is incredible. So in episode nine, 
we begin to learn about Michael Rappaport's character, who's this detective this season. The episode opens up with him, he's boxing in a ring. And you begin to hear a little bit about his story. And he's talking about this woman that, um, that is like the love of his life as, as he's like boxing. And at the end of the episode, you begin to see his role in all of this because he has a very interesting role this season as well. And you don't know if you can trust him or not trust him. And you find out that this woman that he's met who's the love of his life is actually Cindy Cannon, Tina Fey's character. And the opera singer is singing this very romantic melody over this like very dramatic reveal of how these people are connected. And there's a slow motion shot where Michael Rappaport's character is sitting at a bar and he looks over and you're trying to, you're wondering the whole time, like who is this woman that he's in love with? And the camera pans to Tina Fey in slow motion, just like winking at him as this opera singer is singing this very romantic melody through this whole ending. Um, and it's also very dramatic. The strings are going crazy. There's a lot of sort of like fast movement. And the, oh, she's like singing over it. And it's just like, it went, it, we went full on dramatic effect with it. The opera voice against Tina Fey is just such a funny thing to see too. nominated fortunately in the past in the last few years um, a few times um, I I'm, I tend to just like put it aside and I get superstitious when I was like I don't want to think about it it would be nice if I got nominated for something this year but if I don't I don't I'm proud of the work and all of a sudden like I'm trying not to think about it and on my phone a email pops up and it's like Emmy announcements have been made and um, usually I get a call from, from Jana, who works on my team, and, and she'll call me and be like, hey, guess what, you got nominated. But now there was no phone call from Jana for some time. I got this like email, and I was like, oh, okay, I didn't get nominated, fine. And I started to like not really think about it, and then my phone rang, and it was Jana. She called me, and uh, I feel weird even saying it, but she told me we got three nominations, and I was just like, floored by it. I couldn't believe it. I think it's a great score to fall asleep to. You might have some really weird dreams, but there's nothing wrong with that. You could definitely study to it too. Like you can really focus. You could have it on and I think read a novel while it's playing in the background too. I think it can focus you in an interesting way. I think the only murder score is very good, like fancy dinner party music. You know, white tablecloth, nice medium rare steak, glass of red wine, um, where somebody gets killed at the dinner. The Big Score is brought to you by Hollywood Records. Check out Only Murders in the Building on Hulu and listen to the soundtrack wherever you get your music.